Hello and welcome to Behind the Sounds. I'm here today with the legend that is Blair Daly uh, from his studio. Hello, how are you? Hey there, good morning. I'm doing well. How about you? Yeah, very well, thank you. Um, we are just chatting a little bit about how everyone's getting used to kind of quarantine and all these new ways of working. Um, you seem like you've got a pretty good setup there. How's it been for you these past few months? It's definitely been different. Um, Thankfully, I've already kind of have uh, somewhat of a studio back here at home. So I've been blessed to be able to work from home and come back here to my studio and write and have, you know, have uh, the ability to, to not only write, but record stuff as we do it. Now, that said, it hasn't been as easy because uh, there's no in-person uh, writing or recording right now. So we're all kind of doing pieces at a time. It's a little bit more um, patched together, uh, but we're still getting it done. And uh, we're very, very lucky to still be able to, to, to create songs in this weird, weird, strange time. Yeah, definitely. Have you found you've been more productive or less productive? Because it's so different. You know, that's a, it's a good question because I, I honestly feel like when you have to book these, like, we'll just call them Zoom sessions because a lot, you know, I, I guess most of us are using Zoom to do the virtual writing. So when we book these Zoom sessions to write, there is very much, these days, there's very much an intention. There's a focus, there's a target, and there's not a whole lot of just hanging out and talking and talking about the weather and whatever else because we're we're you know it's it's number one it's a little you know there's latency there's uh trouble hearing guitars and that kind of stuff so i find that it's w with it being more focused we we know what we're doing ahead of time mm -hmm. and when we get into a session it's a lot more straight to business and like trimming off the excess, right? And we're, we're kind of straight into writing. So I find, though I much prefer having my friends in a room and high-fiving when we get, we land on something good and being able to cut a vocal and, and see the person and, you know, I much rather that, but I do find that we're getting the job done in a smaller time frame. Yeah. And, um, and it allows for, start time stop time and i don't know it's like it, it is a bit it, it has been productive uh, I've, i i again i can't wait to go back to the old way of in person the old school in person writing mm -hmm. sessions but i feel like it's been productive it it took a second to get around at first i think we all thought well let's just let's just not book any writing sessions for a couple weeks you know, we'll just, we'll let this blow over, right? Well, but, so uh, eventually the ones of us who were kind of late to doing the online writing, uh, you know, we had to, there were a few, few learning curves, hurdles we had to jump through and just things we had to learn in order to kind of streamline this process. But once we got it going, I find that it, I find that I've been pretty productive, all things considered yeah yeah definitely. and obviously so you've been writing for a long time you've been kind of in the industry and present for for a while but where did it kind of start for you like where did your musical influence and, and love of music come from is it a family thing or from when you were a child i believe it was it came from growing up in the 80s <laughs> i th i'm definitely a product of the 80s and uh my mom and dad um, thankfully we're both big music fans and always had music playing in our house, in our cars. And, um, especially on the weekends when we were doing chores around the house and the yard and that type of stuff, my dad would set big speakers up in the windows in our, uh, house. So it would face outside and we'd blast music. So yeah. I think it was, it was, it was partly, my mom also plays piano. And um, so we grew up, I always had piano in the a piano in the house and watching her and also just sharing the love of music with them. 
so they turn me on of turn me on to all different types of records and music growing up from the doors to Linda Ronstadt to John Denver, Charlie Daniels, um, Blood, Sweat and Tears, Chicago, all the kind of a lot of uh, 70s music, 60s and 70s music and loved that. And when um, I got old enough to kind of figure I could I could get my own records and start playing on a record player myself, I was buying the kind of obvious first records growing up in the 70s and 80s which were kiss records and uh i played a lot of kiss records and foreigner and rod stewart and stuff like that so and mom and dad always encouraged it and played those records and we listened to them together so i think it was just being in a house of of music fans and of all types of music that really got you know got me living and breathing it and from a very early age I was doing odd jobs around the house in the neighborhood in order to be able to go to the department store and, and buy a big a vinyl record you know that was like the the goal I would I would do just enough work to go buy a, a seven or eight dollar record you know and I and I loved it it just it, I became just intrigued and and, and fascinated by music at an early age yeah yeah and was there a point that you remember when it was kind of for you this is what I want to do this yes. is yeah absolutely yeah yeah it was uh it was in uh I was sitting in front of the fireplace uh as a, a 12 year old boy uh with one of my best buddies uh we were watching MTV in the era when MTV was pretty new and uh, Eddie Van Halen, Van Halen came on a video for Van Halen, uh, a Van Halen song came on and he played a guitar solo, which I had never seen or heard him play before. Mm -hmm. And I was not only mesmerized by the way he played finger tapping and his whole technique that he uh, is known for, but I then and there, that night asked mom and dad to if i could if they could please get me a, a guitar because that's what i wanted to do um i i want to be able to learn how to play guitar and be in a band like like eddie van halen and luckily that next day or night they ordered me like a 25 dollar guitar from sears and roebuck and and uh it was right-handed i'm left-handed <laughs> So when it showed up a week or two later, I held it and the strings were upside down <laughs> and I wasn't quite sure what to do. I remember sitting on the front steps and going, something about this isn't right. And it took us all a second to figure out, oh, wait, 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 there, there's such thing as right-handed and left-handed guitars. The big string needs to be on top. Yeah. So my dad flipped the strings around and uh, you know, it looked funny because the pick guards up here and the, the bridge and nut are backwards, but it did good enough for me to be able to uh, start playing the correct way um, left-handed. And that's, that kind of started it all. I enrolled, there was one guitar teacher in my small town that I grew up in, in Louisiana. Mm. And, and so that wasn't a hard choice to make. Um, it was either take from her or not take at all. <laughs> and and they signed me up and I took from her for six months and then she said sorry that's all I know um, and the rest is up to you so um, I took she taught me the basics we played you know GCD we played a lot of Eagle songs Alabama songs um, stuff like that and um, and then from there I just started playing my records and learning from ear and trying to figure out the kind of the more complicated stuff because there's no one else to teach me while I was a, a kid so but that was it yeah Eddie Van Halen 1984. <laughs> I love that you, you remember like that's the moment it's so good to, to look back Absolutely. on that and is there was there obviously you say like being a guitar player in a band was that kind of throughout your childhood like that was that was it or when did you kind of realize that you could be a songwriter or a producer or other things was it always 
guitar playing or did you when did you start to kind of reach out a little bit more I uh I, so after a few years after I got a little bit better on guitar and finally found a couple buddies who were wanting to uh do the band thing and played you know there was like again my small small town there was one bass player one drummer you know in in my age group and yeah. we uh and we kind of started playing and I, I started off as a guitar player and then I feel like I would always always kind of wanting to mess around with the other instruments too I was always really when our drummer would get up from his seat I would always hop in that seat and bang on drums because it was just fun and it was, it was very rock and roll and very loud and and uh so I loved doing that and eventually got my own drum set again bless my mom and dad for all the noise and and uh in, in volume they put up with when I had all this stuff in my little room uh but I started playing drums next and it was funny like all throughout high school if if the drummer would quit I would be the drummer and we'd get a different guitar player from another town or then if the singer would quit I would try and sing it was just it was one of those things where I just had to kind of fill in with what was what had to do what was needed at the time. Mm -hmm. So um, I think that was like the the start of of kind of playing different instruments and really getting into it. And it wasn't until I moved to Nashville in the early '90s where I realized that there was such thing as people who just wrote songs um, I think my goal was always to be in a rock band move to LA be in a rock band Sunset Strip that whole thing hair nation you know and uh, and mom and dad no way they weren't letting me go to do that at 17 years old so they said but you can go to Nashville it's not as far away we know a couple people there yeah so um, so I so when I got here, I did you know played in a couple bands, nothing serious, and then like I said, I, I realized and kind of discovered that songwriting here is a proper job, and um, so I kind of started messing around with it of getting a bit more serious around it, realizing like if you if you really wanna whether you want to be in a band or write songs for uh, for other people and be successful. Um, you 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 need to get serious about it, and you know if you especially if you're going to make records, you have to learn how to write your own songs. You don't put records out of cover songs, mm -hmm. and and so that's what I did. I just I started writing a little bit by myself at first, and then um, I had a uh, cousin here that I met up with that I also uh, he had he had been a songwriter here before. I'd never met him before, but he kind of took me under his wing and we started writing a bit together and um, learning about it. I was just kind of trying to be like a sponge and learn, learn about mm -hmm. songwriting as much as I could. And I think I dabbled in the, the artist thing from time to time, but I think I realized whether I was doing a solo artist thing or playing in a band or in the studio, I feel like I felt like I was most comfortable and most excited writing songs for other people and writing songs in a different style every day. I didn't like necessarily writing the same kind of song every day. Mm -hmm. and, and I was like, well, if I'm going to be in a band, I can't write a, a rock song, a country song, a metal song, a hip hop. So I, you know, I, I, I needed to be able to hop around to stay um, excited and inspired. And that's when I realized I, I think my, my job is more so my, my personality is more so suited to be a songwriter who writes with writes with the artist versus being the artist. Yeah, and it's obviously paid off extremely well for you. Um, you've had so many hits and as you were saying, kind of so many genres as well, you really have stepped into pretty much every single genre that there is um is there one that i know obviously you've written a lot of country hits being in nashville it's kind of bound to but out of the other genres is there one that really excites you particularly um because you've literally done it all is there any that you're you really enjoy doing yeah that would be 
again, kind of going back to my my roots of music, it would be it would be rock music and hard rock music. Here, the the format is called active rock, which is kind of heavy modern rock, yeah. and uh, that is kind of what I started listening to as a you know. And when I really started getting into guitar and playing in bands in high school. You know, it was the thrash era with bands like Megadeth and Metallica and Anthrax and Slayer and stuff like that, um, all the way to Guns N' Roses and Motley Crue and Queen and Zeppelin. And so I, I just got I got really into rock, and it's always been kind of in my DNA. And so I, I would say these days, it's 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 cool because country being in Nashville kind of has taught me it's like the best school to go to to learn how to write songs yeah and once you learn how to do that you 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 can it's a, it's a lot easier to kind of pick the genre that you that fulfills you the most and and spend and, and figure out where you spend the most time and i do you know i, I have hopped genres a lot for a long time and and it was always kind of like the black sheep it was like, where is he a country guy? Is he a metal guy? Is he a pop guy? And it's like, the truth is I'm just a, a, a songwriter who loves music and who loves all kinds of music. Mm -hmm. So uh, to answer your question, you know, these days I'm probably writing about 80% rock, hard rock, uh, maybe even more than that. Mm -hmm. And, and um that is kind of my where it's it, where i'm spending the most time right these days and having the most fun yeah. i still have my close friends and artists in other genres especially in country that i work with continuously through the years no matter what where i am in my my yeah. musical journey um it's just right now I'm just having a blast writing a lot of new rock music. And uh, yeah, that's where I am right now. Yeah, I like it. So going back a little bit from when you first started writing, do you remember what your first cut was the first time you heard one of your songs recorded by an artist? I do. It was uh, an artist that was a pretty big artist in the the late 90s called John Michael Montgomery mm -hmm. and he he was kind of known as this um balladeer he was like a really um really beautiful tone cowboy like kind of just this this incredibly larger than life artist who um at the time he was really crushing it uh at country radio with big songs like i swear and mm -hmm. i can love you like that and love the way you love me he was just all these incredible beautiful ballads and uh he in 1995 took a chance on an unknown writer who was writing rock ballads uh, that were somewhere between you know Aerosmith and Bon Jovi and and uh, he his A&R guy at the time uh, was at he was at Atlantic Records when I was in there meeting with this A&R guy for me to see if I wanted to make a record his his A&R guy sent him one of those songs and said you should check this out I'm not sure what it is but check it out and and john michael uh, responded to it and said he loved it and recorded it was a song called how was i to know it was my first cut and i i will never forget going into al cooley's office at atlantic records he called us in to come hear it for the first time and and it was honestly when he hit play and because I had a little demo I had done, and that's what he said. But when he hit play on this record, this master, I'm hearing my song for the first time uh, with players like Dan Huff and those kind of people playing on it. Mm -hmm. uh, it was like an out-of-body experience. I, I literally was like, it was 
it was kind of like, am I dreaming? Is this real? I'm hearing John Michael Montgomery, this huge voice, this guy who I look up to as, you know, this superstar country artist singing my words and melodies mm -hmm. and um, that I had co-written with my cousin who I mentioned before. And that was um, the first time I heard it in it. And it, it, to, to make it even a little bit better, um, it became a single later that year mm -hmm. um, for John Michael, and which was, again, I was just incredibly blown away by the fact he'd even recorded or tried recording one of my songs. It went to, uh, went to country radio and ended up going number one. So my very first cut, was a number one country single, which is a blessing and a curse because <laughs> the blessings are obvious. The curse is, God, what do you do at 25 years old when you have your first song is, is a number one? It's like, how do you, where do you go from there? You know, yeah. and the pressure is on at an early age. But um, yeah, that was it. That was it. John Michael, um, whom I, I owe a lot to. He's, yeah. he's been really good to me and we continued to have uh, a good run together after that and have written a lot of songs together and have had a few other hits together. It's been, he's been really good to me. Yeah. And just that feeling of you were saying it's an out-of-body experience hearing it for the first time and obviously it going to radio number one, you've had that a lot. Does the feeling ever get old of hearing your songs, hearing people sing your songs for the first time? Never. It, it never gets old. Um, it's even, it, it, it excites me so much that even g getting a demo back in my email or, or somebody sends me, I get so freaking excited just to, w when I hear a great singer singing something that I've written either for them or with them these days, it's more so with them. Mm -hmm. But, uh, when I hear that, you know, I, no, it never gets old. I, I love it. It's one of my favorite parts of doing this is that satisfaction where you, you, you started with nothing. You somehow come up, make, made up a song that, means enough to that artist for them to want to record and put on a record um, and to then hear it back. I, I, I love it. I, every day it's, it's, uh, I, I can't, you know, I, I'm getting demos in all the time because I'm constantly writing and I, I listen to every single demo that, that comes in good song or bad song, great song or awful song. It's, I still want to hear it. It's still like, wow, this is really cool. We made this up yesterday. Yeah. Definitely. And obviously, as, as I said, we'll talk about some some of the particular songs that have been big hits for you. But over the years, is there any songs in particular that when you've heard them for the first time have just completely blown you away? Any voices or anything that has really just been a standout? Oh, goodness. That's a... <laughs> That's a tough one. Because I'm sure there's a lot. I mean, some of the names you've, you've written with and written for... There's got to be someone in there. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it, it, yes, there are. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think like those kind of aha moments, you know, where it's like, oh my goodness. Um, I definitely, well, the, the, the first one I, you know, we sp talked about John Michael. That was when I first heard that one. That was definitely the, the, the biggest, one of the biggest. I think one time, and it, this is kind of a random song, but one, one of those moments for me was uh, a song when, uh, that me and two of my best friends wrote for his project, uh, a guy called Gordy Sampson, uh, who's a Canadian songwriter, um, and my best friend, Troy Virgis, who's also a songwriter here in Nashville. We had written a song for Gordy's independent Canadian release uh, record. And that song ended up in Keith Urban's car. And um, Keith 
really dug this record and some of the kind of weird left to center songs we were doing on this this record for Gordy. And Keith ended up recording one or two of these songs, definitely one. And um, I think the first time, yeah, first time I heard his version of it was in Dan, Dan Huff and Daryl Franklin called us to come over to hear it. That was back in the day of, hey, come hear your cut, man. You're going <laughs> to like this. And it was just such a, such a incredible, fun event. So me and Gordy and Troy went over there and hearing Keith sing and play guitar on this really random kind of rock song that we wrote in a park in, we wrote it in Hyde Park. We, uh, we, we, in, in the rain, in Hyde Park, we were young, three young single dudes going, you know, going over to, to the UK to just do some songwriting. And, and it was like, we recorded on a little mini disc recorder kind of thing. And anyway, to, to, to have Keith, his amazing, you know, identifiable voice and guitar tone and playing uh, blasting out of the speakers. That was another big, cool moment. It was a song called, believe it or not, it was called You Are Somebody Like You. He already had Somebody Like You as a big single. This was called You Are Somebody Like You. Yeah. Uh, no relation when we wrote the song. It was just random, and he still cut it, even though it was a, a similar title to his his big, you know, one of his big hits. That was another one. Um, I think another big, like, blown away was the first time I heard Kelly Clarkson sing people like us because mm -hmm. she is just incredible. I mean, her, her power and her tone and, you know, just the, the way she delivers a song. And, um, that was another one where I was like, Whoa, is this real? Is this, yeah. that's, that's Kelly Clarkson singing our song. Cause I had not written it with her. You yeah. know, it's a, it's a little different. Or not, it's a lot different these days when, you know, you're in the room writing with the artist, you're kind of hearing what they're going to sound like. Mm -hmm. And, um, and you're even a lot of times recording their vocal. So yeah. though it's special, it's not as surprising when you hear the record back. So it's, it's a bit more surprising when it's a song that they had nothing, no, no hand in the writing and they just love the song and record it and you never heard them sing it until the record's done and they send it to you or play it for you. Yeah. So I think all three of those that I mentioned are all um, songs that had not actually written with the, the artist. And so it's a bit more of a anticipation because you have no idea what they're going to sound like singing it. And so yeah, that's yeah. why I think those are so special in my, my memory. Those stand out. Yeah, and with, with Kelly, how did that song get to her? Because as you were saying, she's such an iconic voice. Um, and I know nowadays she writes a lot of her own stuff. But how did that actually end up for her? Was it written for her or did it just kind of magically find her way, find its way? You know, it, 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 was, it was pretty magic, magical how that happened. Um, that was another song that I was part of writing for a new artist making an independent record and her my co-writer co-writers on that song were james michael and megan kabir and megan we were working on um a uh like a pop rock type project for megan who's a dear friend of mine and collaborator and she uh just was we we were just doing her thing. We had, we were, Kelly was nowhere in our minds. Yeah. Uh, we were just writing this song from, a, a you know, some personal experiences that um, we wanted to write, try and write a big hit for her. And that song lived, lived with us and in our computers and whatever for a good year or two. And um, I did, I was invited to write, for, uh, at a Kelly Clarkson songwriting camp, which is, if you're not familiar with those, it's like when the, the label or management gets like, uh, you know, eight, 10, 12 writers sometimes and, and kind of books them out, book studios for 
a week or so and goes in there and you just write around the clock, kind of write for that artist and they kind of help you and guide you. And sometimes the artist is there. Sometimes she's not. Kelly was not at that writing session, but um, we were, so we were writing for that and ended up that Megan, the girl who we wrote, wrote people like us with, was singing some of the demos of the songs we, we wrote. And, and it just kind of started naturally. Um, everyone was really digging her voice and it was just, it made a lot of sense. And, and Megan and I had been talking and she met the label guys and stuff. And, and she sent him, he was like, send us anything you have that you think might work for Kelly. And she sent that song to him. Megan did. And he, called back i don't know maybe a month later and and said hey guys just want to let you know kelly's putting her vocal on people like us tomorrow it was like after not hearing anything for like a month and kind of forgetting about it and so again it was a little bit like magically happened because it was a random pitch and we didn't really put too much thought into it None of the, the funny thing about it is that none of the songs that I wrote at the camp made it onto the record. <laughs> the songs that were like intentionally written for her wrote a, a you know handful of songs that week, and it just none of them really hit the mark. And the one that had nothing to do with her ended up not only getting cut on the greatest hits record, but being the single from the greatest uh -huh. hits record. Yeah. So, so that was uh, that was kind of cool. Yeah, and it was such such a huge song for her. Obviously, that that whole record was was big. But what an achievement! And as we were saying, such iconic voice. Hearing that, yeah, you know, in the yeah, an anthem. It, yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's cool because you know I'm, I'm I'm I I remember watching her on American Idol. You know, yeah. watching that first season and going, "Wow, man, that's a powerful voice." <laughs> You know, and there's a, they're just, you know, there aren't, there aren't many bad singers that win American Idol. I mean, they're all really, really great singers, yeah. right? Kelly just, ah, man, I think maybe it was like a combination of it being the first season and everyone was so stoked about watching that and this new show yeah. and, and her just really coming out and nailing it and being so, so good. And, and it was just like that and watching her journey. And then, like you said, she's become like a staple, like an icon. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, what a what an honor. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, there's a couple more. I mean, the, the list of people you've, you've written for and with is endless. Uh, to name a few, Tim McGraw, Little Big Town, Uncle Cracker, Morgan Evans, Seth Ennis, Ray Lynn, Jake Owen. Literally, the list is endless. But there's a couple of songs and people in particular I want to ask about. Um, yeah. Firstly, one that this is probably just me being like a fangirl, but you got to write a song that was on Trisha Yearwood's album that she recorded with Garth Brooks. Um, obviously, yes. one of like they are an iconic couple and two of the biggest voices ever in country music. Mm -hmm. So, what was it like to write a song that they both, not just one of them, but they both recorded and then both got put onto Trisha's record? How did that kind of happen? You know, it's it's that's another funny kind of interesting journey of a, of that, a, that a song takes. Um, again, another one that, uh, that I had not written with either the artists and I co-wrote what gave me away with, uh, Troy Burgess, who, again, I mentioned he's my, my best friend of, many many years and uh we wrote that with lucy silvis who is um an incredibly talent uh talented singer songwriter who also makes record puts out records herself um that was goodness that was another one that we i i have to be honest and say i can't remember who we wrote that for like when we, if, when we were targeting, I, I would have to bet we were writing it for Lucy, for yeah. Lucy Silvis's record. And, and it kind of was one of those that we wrote in a few hours and demoed it later and, and we're all really liked it. But 
I think it might have been a little too country for her project. So, you know, w w when you write as many songs as most of us do, you just kind of go, oh, well, <laughs> that was fun, but didn't work on to the next one. You don't really get, you don't really stop to go, well, where do we go with it next? You just hope one day it lands in the right hands or one day it finds a home. Mm -hmm. And uh, we, so I had forgotten about that song and like, like thousands of others, we've written, you know, <laughs> where they're just, you know, they don't, they don't hit home the first time or two and then you just keep rocking. Mm -hmm. So uh, I think what happened is uh, that song got pitched to Trisha and again, I didn't even know she was making a new record. There's, there's so much going on here all the time in, in, you know, and especially if you're kind of hopping in and out of genres, there's a lot more, you know, you, you triple or quadruple the kind of people you have to keep up with yeah. who's doing what <laughs> listening, who's singing this and who's working on this, who's producing this project. So somehow I believe Lucy Lucy and Lucy and or Lucy and Troy had written a couple of other songs that Trisha was digging, and I'm not exactly sure who pitched that song. Might have been Lucy's publisher at the time, and sent it over to her producer Garth Fundus or and or to Trisha. And I never even got wind of it then, and it was one of those again incredible surprises where I found out about it after it had been it had already been recorded and they said Trisha recorded what gave me away and I was like wow like you said one of those big voices I mean she's like to me like a like a modern day Linda Ronstadt that mm -hmm. that type of classic timeless voice and I I loved her records growing up in the you know in the nineties and those that first record oh my gosh she's she was one of the best best um, song people like you know here we call them A and R people it's like sometimes the A sometimes some of the best A and R people here are are the actual artists you know <laughs> when they when they really really know a great song and what song's going to work for them and uh, so so fast forward to. I don't, I don't personally know Trisha, so it was just kind of, wow, that's cool. I can't wait to hear it when it comes out. Yeah. Well, I was, my wife is in, in artist management and manages um, uh, Lori Morgan, who's a, a, a kind of a, a iconic kind of legacy country recording artist. And we were at the Ryman doing something with Lori and... Um, Oh yeah, it was a, like a Keith Whitley tribute thing, and and her producer Garth Fundus had also worked with Keith Whitley, and Garth was there, and I met him for the first time, and and he goes, "Your name sounds familiar," and I said, "Yeah, you cut a song of mine on Trisha Yearwood," and he goes, "Really? What song?" And this is again, this is just how funny it is sometimes. Yeah. And I told him, and he goes, "Oh, the Garth duet," and I said, <laughs> and then I said, "What?" Garth duet. No, no, it must be a different song. He goes, no, 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 hold on. And he pulled out his phone, phone right there backstage at the, uh, at the Country Music Hall of Fame when we're getting ready to go on to do this show. And he played it for me on his phone. And he goes, check it out. Shh, just check it out. And it was Garth and Tricia singing What Gave Me Away. I had no idea Garth had sung on that song. Wow. We'll wait and to find out. <laughs> Exactly. And, and at that, you know, I was like, well, you know, you just made made my day, but made my year, you know, it's like, that's, that's pretty incredible. And it's so tastefully done the way he produced that really stripped down to where their voices really shine. And God, that was um, a big surprise. Yeah. Yeah. And a good one of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then uh, another artist just literally moving swiftly along because I'm going to have to wrap things up, but someone you've, you've worked with, um, over the, the last few years, um, quite a bit, is Kip Moore. Um, big, huge over here, big yeah. country star in the UK. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but you've had tracks on every record he's released. Um, so can you just tell me a little bit 
about kind of how your relationship with him started because I know you've worked with him a lot and you've been a big part of a lot of his records yeah Kip is a one of a kind Kip is a dear friend um we're very close um we yes we have done you know at least a song or two on every record and are currently we were working on something a few days ago like or you know we're we're just he's one of those when i mentioned earlier no matter how much rock or metal or whatever i'm working on i'm still working i'm still always working with kip for the yeah. next project he and i just click it just works it just you know we, we just have a good chemistry and yeah uh, we met way before he made the first record he was he was um writing for a, a publishing company in town called Cornman music which my good friend brett james had started and uh i would troy and i troy troy and brett own a building or owned a building at the time and had writing rooms in it where we'd all just show up and write write in different configurations and Troy and I write tons so we I was just over there a lot and I'd see this dude you know this really muscly good looking dude like out and around I never really talked to him much but we'd always like what's that who's that guy out there and he's like ah oh, some a new guy I think Brett's working with and and uh we eventually met and and uh he was I I will never forget he was he was there and had been there way before we would show up and he was there still working and would work late into the night after we had long gone. I remember, God, man, that dude works hard. And he is that work ethic. It was just like I hadn't seen it before in music with an artist. I mean, yeah. obviously artists work hard. No, you know, you, 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 you don't become successful without working hard. Mm -hmm. uh, but seeing it firsthand and seeing him you know as a new guy didn't even have a record out yet but man he was working hard and troy and i got him to come come in and write with us uh and we really and he was really good and i really dug his voice it didn't sound anything like uh, like the a, a lot of the other country guys that we've been working with and um it, again it kind of he kind of has like a rock gravelly kind of it his his kind of country leans rock mm -hmm. and um and i loved that about him and i loved his work ethic and i love how hungry he was and it was just passionate and it was just like whoa there's something about that dude he's he's serious he's serious he's gonna he's gonna do something and um so we started writing songs together i think one of the first songs we had written was running for you um which was um we wrote that song for the first record and i believe it was recorded but didn't make it and i think it was recorded again for the next record and didn't make it and it took three or four records and it finally came out yeah. and then became a single uh which was cool because it was you know an older song and the kip's really good about that he yeah. he doesn't like we talked about earlier some songs just go on an old hard drive he he knows every song he, he he's writing or written and he knows what he needs to keep an eye on and what he needs to keep for and he he's he's very good with that as as wild and free as he seems he he knows what songs uh need to come out at what time yeah and so we started writing and it just worked it was just one of those things and we so we we he and troy and i really really dove in and um went you know we, we wrote a handful for that first record ended up writing beer money together which became a single on that record and then kind of went from there and he's he's just he's like a brother he's you know we we work hard and and we um you know he's loyal that's mm -hmm. that's what kip is kip is very loyal and I um and I'm a fan. I mean, he just he's he's one of those that just um is the real thing. And I think that's you know, after doing it so long, writing songs so long myself, you 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 kind of tend to gravitate towards 
that real artistry versus the kind of disposable trendy flavor of the week kind of stuff. I just, I love how he's building kind of a, a career versus just throwing stuff out there to see if it sticks. Yeah, for sure. Is there, um, just out of curiosity, is there a favorite song of his that you've written that kind of ha holds a special place in your heart or just is a particular favorite? Oh man, that's a tough one. We've written, gosh, I bet we've written a hundred songs. I mean, yeah. we, we've, because we, for every record, you know, for every one or two that makes it on the record, we've probably written 12 or 15. Yeah. You know, anywhere or 20 maybe. Mm -hmm. uh, so there's so many. I'd say out of the ones recorded that are released, um, I'd have to say Paying Hard which is a um, album track on the most current record. Mm -hmm. um, so that one has, that one's, that one's pretty special. That one's pretty heavy and heavy, not in a metal way, heavy in a, <laughs> in a heartstrings deep, like that came from some real deep talks and soul searching and um so i would i would have to say that one that one may not become you know a, a number one record or uh that anything like that but that song is special and has its has its place in in this world you know yeah for sure you know and that song have you heard that one yeah the i think the new album is his best yet personally um it's uh you know so many different sides to it which i love um, yeah. So yeah, it's a it's a good one. It was very highly anticipated. As I said, Kip is huge over here um, in the country music community. He everyone loves him. So uh, yeah, it's a great record. Yeah, he's a good dude. <laughs> yeah, he is. Yeah, he is. He yeah. loves going over there. And I hear the stories. It's, I mean, another funny thing about Kip is he will like go over to UK and and do like two weeks or whatever, and then fly back. And he'll text me like on his, you know, connecting flight. Hey, do you want to write in the morning? Yeah. You know, and it's just like, wait, weren't you in, weren't you in the UK? And he's like, yeah, but I'll, but I can write tomorrow. It's like, that is how he, how he works. And so I'll, he'll come back, he'll come over fresh off the plane. And I'll hear all the stories about the shows that you guys just went to. And, and, um, you know, I'd love to, I'd love to go to a CS show in, uh, overseas one day. Yeah, definitely. Well, I'll have to meet you there. Yeah, <laughs> um, so I'm going to wrap things up, but I, yeah. I mentioned to you briefly that I end every interview with, with three of the same questions. Mm -hmm. um, so my first question, they're all based around threes. My first question to you is, can you name three songs that you wish you'd have written? Teenage Dream, Katy Perry. Yeah. Um, Goodness. Inner Sandman, Metallica. Um, and uh, Into the Mystic of Ann Morrison. It's a good range. <laughs> <laughs> I love how quickly Teenage Dream came to you, though. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a great song. <laughs> um, and then three albums that you couldn't live without. Um, three albums I couldn't live without. Guns N' Roses, Appetite for Destruction. Um, Chris Cornell, Essentials. Mm -hmm. And... Goodness, tough one, really, really tough. Uh, Def Leppard Hysteria. Nice. <laughs> um, and then finally, um, three writers or artists or producers that you haven't worked with that you would really like to work with in the future. Katy Perry. <laughs> um, 
Pat Monahan from Train. Mm-hmm. And I would have loved to work with Chris Cornell, but since Chris is not here with us anymore, um, I'd love to work with Ozzy. I like that. Yeah. Sure. And um, well, as I said, we're wrapping up. So thank you so so much uh, for being a part of it. The stories are incredible, um, and hopefully we'll get to hear more in the future. Um, but do you want to just leave us with what's what's next for you or what you're working on at the moment? Yeah. Um, so we're you know in here in the in Skull Town, which is the name of my studio. We're we're you know though it's just me in here these days. Uh, there's always someone else on the other end of the screen. Um, and a few things that I'm, that I'm kind of currently working on that I'm excited about, but don't have really any other information on yet, but been working on, uh, some new stuff with Kip, which is always fun and, and comes out good. Um, been working with, Black Veil Brides, a new record for those guys. Um, I think they do pretty well over in the UK as well. Yeah. Um, and uh, what else are we working on? Um, there's a handful of a handful of new new bands right now that um, that we're that we're working on. Um, Gosh, you know, some, I just don't know if I should even say the, the <laughs> name yet, just because out of respect for them, you know, uh, no, I <laughs> but um, I'm trying to think what else it's, it's like, it's funny when someone asks me that I always have to look at my calendar because <laughs> it changes, literally changes every day. Um, um, there is a, there's a, uh, there's a movie that came out yesterday that I have a song in that I'm very excited about. It may be, I thought one of your questions was going to be, what is your favorite song you've ever been a writer on? So this would be, I'll ask my own, answer my own yeah. question. But, but the, my favorite song uh, is in that movie that came out yesterday. It's a song called Skin, um, recorded by 6AM. And the, the movie is called Snow Babies, and it's a... Um, it's a charity movie that goes to global recovery uh, from addiction. Wow. Uh, so it's a movie about drug abuse and, and recovery and stuff like that. But the song that's in that movie is called Skin. Um, that's that's kind of new on the brain because it just came out yesterday. Um, but as far as other things going on right now, um, I've been working with Morgan, Morgan Evans. Uh, we've been doing some new stuff. He's another one of those that's just – a good dude and we're you know we will continue yeah. working together um and who else um are we do we have in the pipeline um <laughs> sorry that's a that's a tough one just because i, I really literally it changes every day so yeah. without looking at my calendar it's hard for me to answer <laughs> but um if I think of something, I'll, I'll let you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I look forward to, to hearing all the new stuff. And obviously, as I said, thank you for the stories um, and for the songs. Um, it was great mm-hmm. to chat. And thank you so much for being a part of it. Well, thank you so much. It was a pleasure. That hour flew by. I yeah. guess I talk, I, talk a, I talk way too much. <laughs> well, <laughs> no, thank, thank you so you. much. I appreciate it. It was great talking with you. And I'll, uh, I'll see you soon. Thank you.